Hi, everybody. Uh, welcome back to Second in Command. My name is Timothy Simons. I am Matt Walsh, and uh, we have a great guest today. A great Great yes. guest. Great Probably guest. a huge fan of the show. Oh, my. Well, I, I was getting some text messages. We had the thread where we were, like, you know, doing all the, like, the ones and twos, like, getting him, like, where are we going to be? What time is it going to be? But he yeah. was texting me off thread that he was like, guys, I'm so happy that you had me in. I had my PR company reach out, and <laughs> I'm just glad that there was space for me to come in because I am such a fan. He was geeking out a little bit. I just don't think he wanted to show you that. Well, another Chicagoan, Andy Richter. Andy, welcome. Hi, PR people. <laughs> yeah, right. This is one of the biggest rewatch. It's the only rewatch of a rewatch podcast, I think, <laughs> that has ever happened in before. media. Yeah. yeah. We're breaking ground. And also, wait, now, can we talk about, you know, I mean, this is like, this is a very hamstrung show with a SAG strike still on. We steer away from uh, yes. properties that might be owned by a studio. So I we see. do our, we do the best we can. And then if yeah. there's anything we stumble into, we'll just cut it. I get you. Sometimes I'll, I'll like I've been bleeping out the names of like like uh, Haley Joel Osment, also a huge fan of the show, had requested to come on. He was sure. on a couple weeks ago. Yeah, sure. Um, Long list. Of he mentioned waiting. the name of a movie, uh, you know, as something being like blank esque. Yes, referring to that movie, and I and just you like bleeped that out. out I just bleeped out the name. Wow. Fuck it. Yeah, man. Wow. We're trying to do our best. Although yeah. you did wear studio promoting costumes on Halloween. I did. You I did was, wear a lot of branded characters. I was. I, <laughs> I actually, no, he did it. I own, I wore like four different <laughs> branded properties. Costumes. Properties, yeah. Owned by a multimedia company. Yep. Yeah. Like every different comic companies, like, you know, like characters that would never interact. Yeah. I was wearing them. You all. were like your own Avengers. <laughs> yeah. I won't, you can bleep that I'll word bleep out. I'll bleep that out. Yeah. yeah. Thank you very much for coming on the show. Sure. Happy to be here. Um, that didn't sound as happy, but maybe that's just the nervousness. It's just Midwestern politeness. Yeah. So I'm that. not happy to be anywhere. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. You're, but you do show up. That's I, yeah. the beauty. I do. But that's do. life, because sometimes we don't feel great, and we show up. Yeah. yeah. This is actually a real thing. My friend, uh, who you met uh, the night we had a... Pardon me. Uh, the Are night you crying? I'm a little bit... <laughs> <laughs> this is a really emotional moment for me, and definitely was just not burping some edamame. <laughs> My friend Crosby, who you met yeah. a couple weeks ago... She was telling me about something that her mom used to say, which I've really latched onto is something that I had never heard before, which is uh, which is chop wood, carry water or, or cut wood, carry water. And the, the idea behind it is that is the can be the solve. It's not the solve for everything, but a lot of day to day things are like, yeah, it might be going bad. But if you cut wood and carry water, things will get better yeah. in that, like not even just like keeping yourself busy, but like. Do the things that you need to do, one foot in front of the other, yeah. and there, like that forward motion will bring you through a hard time. Yeah, mm -hmm. I, and I really liked that. It, and like, rather than just like sitting and wallowing stewing. and stewing, yeah, cut wood and carry water, even if it has nothing to do with how you're feeling. If you do that, it'll shake it out a little bit. Yeah. And I really enjoyed that. So right now, Andy is uh, cutting wood and carrying I, water by appearing. No, I am not. I'm very happy to be here. We, I mean, I'm, you know, Matt and I have known each other since like 89, something like that. Yeah. Wait, did you meet back in Chicago? Yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we came were... out of the same little theater group. Yeah. The like Annoyance an an Theater. Yeah, Improv yeah. Olympic. Improv Olympic before that. Yeah, I think Improv Olympic before that. 
And I can't remember if we were ever on a team. We together. were on Johnny Tractor. Oh, together. Johnny Tractor. We were. We were. On we were on one of my first improv teams. Andy and I. Yeah. 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 And I don't remember the chronology of the different improv teams that I was on either. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and because she was always kind of mixing it up. But, but yeah, we, Johnny Tractor. We were at that restaurant, Papa Milano, and then we moved up to the different theater up on Clark or whatever. But anyways, yeah. and then we did stuff at the Annoyance. And then when Andy was, so we've known each other in Chicago. And then when Andy went to New York with the Bradys, I would come out and see him there. And then when you came to New York first, when you started doing Conan, and then I think I arrived after you yeah, in you New did. York. You did. And you were like one of my only friends in New York. So you, you uh, I did a took lot. care of me I and think, took me around. Yeah. And, and I, yeah. Think, I think I was the first New York monologist for a yeah. UCB. You were Afghan. definitely an early. Yeah. Uh, you Conduit. didn't have a theater. You were like in weird, like so. Well, we were right spaces. by your house too, the yeah, old yeah. apartment on Seventeenth yeah, Street, the UCB Theater on Twenty Second Street. Was yep. 20, so, yeah. No, no, the first one on Seventeenth Street, Solo Arts. Oh that, yeah. Then when we, we were we homeless, that was where you would have yeah, done yeah. your first monologue, right? And then the, the UCB Theater when they finally got their own place on Twenty Second, the the old burlesque house. Mm-hmm. Uh, I lived two doors down. And we even had yeah, that's right. We and even then my had, apartment even, was right down. His, the his apartment was above, right above the theater. So yeah. it was a very much a hub for us. And we even, at least one, maybe two years, had uh, like our New Year's Eve party and the UCB party were sort of a joint party. Like you could yeah. go from our apartment down to UCB and back. It was like a flow of people. Or you back would and close forth. it down and we would come over yes, for midnight or right, something. Exactly. And then the after yeah, hour yeah. would be back yeah. there. I guess yeah. I, I knew you guys had known each other for a really long time. I think I just I think I thought that you had sort of both met once you were like a little bit more established. You no, were like, no. like first improv teams in Chicago. You've known each other since you were just like how That's, old would you I, guys no, have Matt, been? At that Matt, time? He's we were like, nobodies. Seriously, you know, people say that someone's like family, but you're like, yeah, you've been very good. Yeah. We've been good to each other. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my god, yeah, for real. Because so. I remember watching. I mean, your, like cousins, not like yeah, yeah, yeah you yeah. know. I mean, come yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. I'm not in the will, right? Right, right, right. You're not in mine. I forget his name a lot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I remember a couple times watching your apartment when you were gone. Yeah. stuff like that. I did smoke some of your weed. I should probably. That's make, okay. making amends. That's for that. all right. I don't think you I were, told you. You were saving me from Satan. Okay, that's yeah. fine. But to water the plants and stuff, and yeah, yeah, we were always kind of. And even when did you know we where did the, the Brady's in L.A.? It was did in a box. It was a very obvious box okay. somewhere, probably on a coffee oh, table. Yeah, yeah. Just, just was, a lovely yeah. apartment. So it was very much a centerpiece. To but it. just in the just from from an angle of like wanting to make sure that the air is cleared and sort of absolute honesty and all that kind of stuff. Did yeah. you know when you showed up that you were going to smoke some of that weed, or was it a discovery? No, I stumbled, and I think you guys had a stairmaster, and I was using the stairmaster, and I probably quit using the stairmaster when I noticed, oh, there's weed. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't. A, it was a Nordic. Track. A Nordic track. It was a Nordic track. So I was using all the toys, the past, pretending because yeah. you were established before I, like I had earned a living in show business. Yeah. So Andy had a nicer lifestyle when I landed in New York. Okay. So I was living in a nice apartment yeah. vicariously, or certainly spending hours there. Yeah, me getting on the Conan show was uh, of like my peers i was like one of the first people to start making a living to like have a job yeah to have yeah. a to have a, a steady a steady showbiz job so yeah i i mean i <laughs> paid for a lot of dinners <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah you were generous yeah there was a restaurant around the corner from 
our we lived on 18th Street, and there was a restaurant on 19th Street between Fifth and Sixth Avenues called La Cajou, uh, yep. which is the French word for mahogany, mm-hmm. and it was like a Alsatian restaurant, but like more like a neighborhood bar. And there was like, and we used to go there all the time. And it's like, uh, you know, like, and I got a wine education there uh, from the, there was a maitre d' there named Danny. Like a little bit of a study. And he was, uh, but I, and I learned to speak Danny, you know, so <laughs> he'd come to the table and say stuff and pe- he'd walk away and people would be like, what did he say? And like, he said that um, his father used to make gin in his uh, <laughs> garage in Long Island. Uh, <laughs> but uh, there was one year where on our year end Amex, you know, they give like, di- there's like pie graphs and different Uh-oh. visual representations. Percentage like, of spending. There, were, there was like, I would say at the time, like probably like the nicest car Toyota made spent at just that restaurant. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was, uh, we spent a lot of money. We, you know, but I mean, eh, we didn't have kids, you know. Yeah, yeah was, that was pre-kids. And yeah. also you were working late and you didn't want to yeah. cook. Come on. Well, and it was also like, it was my salad days, you know, yeah. our youth in New York City with TV money in my pocket. And then when these guys came, it was just thrilling to have them around uh, the UCB guys just around for my own personal with like first and foremost for my own enjoyment, um, but also too to come on the Conan show and make the show that much funnier uh, because one of the shocking things about starting to work in television in New York City and then and it all being so new and like being like, oh, my God, I got to write a sketch for a TV show. And and now they're like, I have some casting for you. I'm like, oh, Jesus, I got to sit and act like I'm a big grown up and <laughs> cast actors. And I was it, coming from Chicago, had this, you know, this insecurity and this kind of, you know, felt like, oh, well, we're going to get New York actors. They're, they've got to be good. Sucked. Really? Awful. Not a funny, you know, you'd be like, casting in those early days was like, just try to find somebody that doesn't hurt it. Like that just, you know, if you if you think, you know, you have a, a certain amount of funny that you think you're going to get, and you just want to try to find somebody that at least fills that imaginary vessel. And then these guys came along and sloshed over the edges of the vessel. Uh, you know, Amy and, and Matt and Matt Besser and Ian. And then also people that started Oh yeah, Paul Shearer, yeah, performing all at those, the yeah. yeah, Andy Daly, Andy Daly they started performing at the UCB. It was this, or it was like it was such a joy to write a bit and then find out, and then you know have Amy Poehler show you a whole different way that you, the bit you wrote was funny, you know, and <sighs> just thrilling. How often were you guys jumping on? Like, was it like well, a that paid thing? my rent. Like, I drove a van to New York when I moved there uh-huh. in whatever year ninety six, yeah. and I think I lived on that van money for my first first few months. And after that ran out, by that point, you had become a conduit to like putting us in these gigs on Conan. And by the way, your show was so conceptual conceptual in the early days. It was loaded with sketches. Oh, like absolutely. it wasn't just All like a time. monologue yeah. and then Andy Conan Benter. There was ben, you know, banter. It was just these weird beyond field pieces, which we also were cast mm-hmm. in. So many 
cast needs on that early years, early yeah. decade, certainly. It's no, crazy the amount of people, of people you guys needed. Yeah, there's plenty of people that, and I mean, who have told me, like, yeah, that was because you get like 600 bucks. You know, and like yeah. in those days, that's a good amount of money, you know, and then and you do a couple of those a week, you know, and that I mean, was my first TV appearance because that's the, I was on NBC before the UCB sketch show aired. So I remember like calling home going, I'm going to be on TV tonight. And that was really neat to have oh, wow. that. Yeah. Well, that's good. And then having like a Halloween thing. Oh, I'm going to be on the Halloween sketch or whatever. It was really validating and it's yeah. like oh, okay yeah. I'll, I'll be okay kind of thing and, and it's a fun way to spread the spread the wealth around you know like it and even for things like you know you need a a, a body double for bill clinton and then it's like well have rob riggle do it you know yeah. i mean yep. just to, you know it's like it could have been anybody it's like well how about somebody that we like who's already in the system so they don't have to fill out a w-4 Yep. Just have him come do and it. And in case know? they get to speak, you got Riggle. Right. Yeah. In case yeah, something exactly. comes up on set. And there was also the Chicago Mafia of like the writers of McCann and Stack yeah. and Glazer, all these Dino Chicago. Stamatopoulos. Dino, who yeah. would eventually improvise with us as well, like Andy would do shows. So there was this real network for us, fortunately, of Chicagoans that would play with us and uh, sometimes write sketches for us. <laughs> Sorry, I that's spilled why, my water. That's why I put mine over here. Oh my God. You know what I was going to say when I saw you reaching for it back there? I was like, yeah, just put it on the table. Nothing bad no, has ever no. happened. No. This is my first bill, Tim, I think. I mean, this... That's pretty good. That is pretty good that it's your first bill here. Yeah. I Just to connect it, I mean, I think ultimately uh, uh, you guys moved the ball forward so that a rewatch or a rewatch could move it forward. <laughs> that is really what you're... Downstream, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just downstream It's effects. all connected. It's all, it's all connected. connected. But even in the, like in the episode that we're here to talk about, the first thing Arvin says when he says, like, oh, uh, is there anything that you want to work on at the end of the season? Uh, Arvin was like, you know, Matt, maybe you could, like, clean up around <laughs> the table a little bit. like, <laughs> Or stop hitting it. Stop hitting it. I kept, like, oh, yeah, nervously, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Doing thumping or something. Yeah. When so I was Walsh, the sound quality. When Walsh gets excited, he sort of slaps the table. Yes. He slaps the and table. It's punishing on these microphones. Yes. It's demonstrative. Yeah. It's like hitting the it's like hitting a big drum and the mic is connected to a drum, basically. Well, to that end, because you do a regular podcast, what is your podcast called? It's called The Three Questions. All right. Well, it's a great podcast. I've been on it, and it would be great if I wasn't on it. How many, actually how many questions did you answer? More than three. Oh, wow. They're but the there's always three questions. at the end. You're, you're going to come on it, too. I would love to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would love to. Uh, well, I mean, just reach out to the PR team. You know what I mean? Yeah, go yeah, through his right. people. Yeah. No way. <laughs> I got your phone number now, buddy. Um, it's a, the three questions, and they're the same three questions every time. And okay. it's just really a gimmick to get people to kind of uh, talk a, in a way that is my favorite way of talking, which is therapy kind of talking. Mm -hmm. I've been in had tons and tons and ages and ages of therapy. Do you feel like um, it's been working? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I feel like it showed up. I That's feel, true. yeah, no, even it's though been, he's got pangs of anger and depression, he showed up. I sure do. <clears throat> oh, I wish I could hit this table. <laughs> oh, I'm just oh boy. Um, block. I was, uh, you Kung did block it. I wasn't really going to hit you hard. I know. Um, <laughs> Uh, I find no therapy quite seriously. I understand the way people feel about religion because of the way that I feel about therapy. Mm -hmm. I do not feel religion one iota. I, I the notion that a, a God, I just I don't you know, 
it's like when you talk about religion, I'm like, uh, I don't know. It sounds like crazy from the get go, if you ask me. But <laughs> as a therapy, side note to our listeners, he believes in Andy. Just so that they, just so that they all know, Capital you may not H. believe in him, but he you believes mean in you. She believes Is in she? me. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's the kind. I of like thing. to say they believe in Andy. Wow. Yeah, they believe in Andy. Um, no, but therapy gives me a sense of progress. It gives me a sense of purpose. It gives me a sense of hope. Uh, it creates a framework with which. I find, you know, life becomes manageable uh, as opposed to just just this like cacophony of, of, you know, noises and colors and I can't keep up with anything. You know, I mean, it really it helps me organize my brain. And that was what I wanted this podcast to be was. And the three questions are, where do you come from? Where uh, where are you going and what have you learned? And I felt like those three questions kind of are cover the bases on what therapy is is meant to sort of do. It, it was always kind of the conversations that I like to have the most on the Conan couch uh, in, you know, when we weren't rolling or yeah. after the person's interview. I mean, I people that can tell you like, well, I come from this and it's kind of why I'm like this, that to me is always one of the most fascinating kind of conversations to have yeah. and the most interesting ones. That and I always, I always love to like to talk to people about on the Conan show, but like, what's your work day like? Like that shit, I just, I want to know, like, when do you get to work? Do you drive yourself? What do you have for breakfast? Do you eat at home? Do you, you know, I mean, that stuff to me, I want to know that about everybody, whether it's like an animal expert or a, you know, historian or you know ed burns you know i just like i i love to know that stuff there is i do think i'm with you yeah Yeah. and i i do think i like on like a a, on a serious note like yes seriously we are in the top 200 podcasts in south korea yeah so like that is a serious thing yeah we are you should do your have you ever gone into your apple analytics no we did discover that for some reason in south korea i think we cracked the top 200 of all podcasts but i do think very seriously like that is something that we also enjoy about this format that we've sort of stumbled into because of a because of a strike is that we like it just being like, yeah, whatever you find in these old episodes, like we're just going to like talk about whatever you were inspired to talk yeah, about. Yeah. So yeah, like there is something. So that, yeah, I do have a question and you can refuse it because it is sort of personal. Uh-huh. So you're divorced, right? Yes. Public knowledge. Yes. In that interim, say the year or two after your divorce, was there something that you were focusing on? Because I have friends who've been divorced and I've asked this question before because they've ended up married again and they were... Uh, and they're in a better relationship and they're happy or whatever. And I'm like, what changed? Like in that, once you got out of the marriage, was the, that moment where you were figuring out your life, was there a refocus on something or was there something you had neglected before that now you were developing? Like this woman, I'll give you an example. My The woman I work out with, she's my trainer. Like the first thing she did when she got divorced is she cut her hair and people loved it. Like she completely changed her look. Yeah. And then she started focusing. She had some like uh, addiction issues, let's call them. Yeah. She really went back to the work on that stuff to make her healthy again. So she reinvested in stuff that she had been neglecting through that. And she also made a personal commitment. I will not date anyone for a year. And so I like that 
window only in terms oh, of therapy. I, I, I couldn't do that. Only, <laughs> but only in terms of therapy, there's a certain demarcation of like, okay, I'm a free agent now. Obviously, you have kids and you're still yeah. tied to your family and your ex. But was there something that you rediscovered or reinvested in or perhaps a new hobby that you pursued that marks that period? Even before you met your current. Yeah, well, I mean... It's it's still a process that's ongoing. It's yeah. still I mean I'm remarried and I I m- my wife uh was a single mom so now I have a a, a daughter and I'm going to adopt her. Uh we actually got our court date so you know as of December 4th I will be her legal father. Awesome. And she's three and a half, so I have you know I have a twenty-two-year-old son, an eighteen-year-old daughter, and a three and a half-year-old daughter. Mm-hmm. So that's a whole you know new slash old kettle of fish, and um, but it's still ongoing. It still is like walking away from self-induced wreckage and figuring out, whoa, that was awful. Not not the not the whole, but the wreckage of it, the yeah. the ending of a marriage, and the dissolution of a family in you know not completely, but in many you know I had I had to live in a different place than my children, and that was gutting to me, just gutting to me. And but you you got to look back and go like, what led me to this? And how can I avoid this happening again? And a lot of that is just like how I organize my own uh, wants and needs, and 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 the ba- and finding a balance, and 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 realizing that. See, it's tricky because I don't want to say I, I don't want to say things that could. I have no interest in like saying anything. You know, I know, and I've been neutral too. And you can go as deep as you want. It's only in terms of like if this woman I talked to, like she had a radical haircut. Yeah, she had some like I think she got more into like hiking and things like that. So I'm just curious. Well, I I uh, in in that way as well. I mean, I did find that like a just because of upset, I didn't. I couldn't eat like I didn't eat for a couple of months. I mean, you know, I just and I ended up losing weight. You know, I lost weight because I just was too upset to really Mm -hmm. enjoy anything. And I mean, and literally things did not taste the same. They didn't Mm -hmm. taste good. And so and then but that was enough of a when I started to come out of the emotional part of it. Um, I already had this, you know, it's, it's like when you get stomach flu and you have a horrible case of diarrhea and then you're like, oh, I lost eight pounds. I might as well not, you know, I might as well eat a healthy lunch. I've already, I'm already on the way downhill here weight wise. So you took that momentum. So I took that momentum it. and I continued it. That's awesome. And, uh, I lost 40 pounds and I felt, you know, it was really nice. Uh, you know, I still, you know, and I used, I would joke about it and I still kind of joke about it. I say like, you know, I got to lose some weight so I can play the fat guy on TV. Because, uh, you know, I, I, I'm like real life fat. I'm not TV fat. Yeah. Um, and, and I mean, and this is also true, isn't it? Like, I don't walk around thinking like, I'm a fat guy. You know, I'm me. And I, and I don't, I'm not embarrassed. I'm not yeah. ashamed. Yeah. I, you know, and, uh, and I mean, I'm in good health, you know. Yeah. Uh, but it was nice. It was nice to wear, you know, it was nice to wear like I have, it got to wear like there were, I had pairs of pants that had like 34 inch waist, 
You know, oh at, age, at age whatever that was, 52 or 53. I don't think I could do I could probably six. Yeah. And wow. I mean, I'm a big person anyway. Yeah. That, that when I... Look at uh, your wrists. I lost, got thick I, Popeye I, wrists. I can't. Did you? I have to. I can't. Well, you're part Cro-Magnum, right? You I, said your DNA is mostly Cro-Magnum. Oh, there is. There is. I, I there is some of that. Yeah, there was some of that. It was. I got an email. It's like, yeah, I got some of the Cro-Magnum genes. And it's like um, ancestry. Wait, so you're survey. actually the missing link? Like uh, maybe. I don't know. Um, but yeah, no. I've always. I have. I. I have a. You know. Big I, loved, I loved I loved the you know when the Rangers just won the World Series and they're talking about Bruce Bochy and I, I can't remember that but the, it's like his nickname was Noggin because he's got a size eight and an eighth head and I'm like I got a size eight and an eighth head I was rooting for the Rangers just because of that can, um, I, can I say that there is a new era who is the company that yeah. makes. Uh, like the all the MLB hats. Yes, they. Uh, I get a lot of their sponsored ads because I like uh, whatever. I, like. I, I do too. I, like. I do, and I have bought hats from them. So yeah. So it comes up. And they had like a sort of special release that the hat had the embroidered size of the hat that you were wearing. Yeah, and I was like. I'm not going to fucking go around and <laughs> yeah, announcing that I'm like a seven and three quarters, almost an eight. Like, that's a nightmare. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's sort of like all like, that's for like all the people that got a regular ass sized head. Yeah, like, yeah. I couldn't, couldn't imagine yeah, yeah. doing that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like wearing your weight. Yeah. How much you weigh. Yeah, exactly. I don't want people to know how much exactly. I weigh. Well, it's I, like, I like, I like that when like my, the Levi's that I buy, that that little sort of brown paper tag that mm-hmm. for all your whole life had you know W and L for yeah. you know waist and length or, and it's like when they get up to my size it's like oh we leave that blank yeah. <laughs> we don't we don't need that peeking out from under a belt where everyone can see you know but yeah so I lost That's a bunch good. of weight that was good and I and I just generally have been trying to uh, be better. You yeah. know, like all the all the list of things that I uh, that I that I sh- you know I should have been doing my whole life. I I just I'm really trying. Well, it certainly to be affords and, you that moment to sort of not be self indulgent, but focus on yourself a little bit. Yeah. In, in that window. Yeah. Not that you checked out from your responsibilities in no, any way. But no. Yeah. No. I, but I mean, perfect but then, answer. But then COVID came around and it fucked it all up. It it you know it. You suffered more from COVID than anyone, I think. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's you exactly we were because you gained that. like exactly twenty two pounds back. Yes. And that's brutal. Yes, we had uh, worse than people who lost relatives in some ways. Yeah. Uh, okay, I'm glad you're saying it. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to refute it, but I wouldn't say it. We had thank a thank you, thank you. We had a virologist on. That's funny. Last week, it, yeah. it was pretty funny. Um, he was big fan. Reached out, and he even he like he wouldn't say it on mic, obviously, right, but even right. off mic, he was like, "How's Rector?" <laughs> I mean, he knew we're going to have him on. Have it was check really in. rough. It was. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was. Okay. I know, but I mean, I did. It did kind of throw away like all the healthful, healthy steps. I know. I was just like, oh, well, I guess I can just eat all the. Well, it was all find. about sur- early COVID. Was all about survival. I remember like me and the kids treated it like Christmas break, and we watched a certain series of movies for like twenty nights in a row. Yeah. Like it was like, oh, this will be over in a month. Let's just use this time to go on. This catalog of things. Binge, yeah. yeah. Binge washing, yeah. And it wasn't over in a month. Yeah, it turns out. out. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot more time than we thought. Sure was. So we went to there, sourdough and chickens. There was. I, it was the first time I had ever watched Survivor. I had never seen Survivor. We're going to wow. bleep that out. We're going to bleep that out. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. 
Right. But, yeah. Before it was so the show that. where people try to survive. Yes. Bleep. That show. Bleep. I'll Bleep. just do it when you talk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the show that where people try to survive. Bleep. That's every show. <laughs> <laughs> that's from the Today Show to that is Game of Bleep. Thrones. Bleep. It's the subtext. <laughs> <laughs> No, you're right. We're all just trying to survive. Yes. Even in bit parts. Yes. Yeah. I have a something. quick question. Yeah. Do you, because you podcast so much and you probably have listened to a couple, mm-hmm. I like Bang the Table. And Tim and I both feel like we talk too much sometimes. Tim punishes himself more than I do. Yeah. Yeah. Do you listen and go, oh, these are my bad habits? Uh, I, I have and I have, and I made conscious choices to do better, different things. What yeah. were your bad habits? Uh, too many ums. Yeah. Too many pauses. Uh, again, and and I, I mean, I would get criticisms from people that were like, you know, let the other person talk, which I just, I mean, there's a, at a certain point, it's like, look, fucker, this is a conversation. Yeah. And for a conversation, I'm not, you know, Terry Gross. You know, I, I, I'm going to I'm going to go, oh, that happened to you. Well, that reminds me of something else that happened to me because I'm here to entertain people with funny anecdotes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I am going to talk. But there was I would make I would make sort of affirmative. Uh huh. Yeah. Mm hmm. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Michael Bavaro style. Like a lot of that stuff. Is that the the Daily guy? Yeah. I can't. I love the Daily, but I I get a little bit when he goes like, huh. yeah. like when he does that, mm. I'm like, oh, dude, you yes, got it. Stop. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm. Or, I guess, mm. and, or why is that huh. an editor doing the favor of cutting it out? Because it's know? his show. It's oh, his really? Show. Probably, yeah. Wow. I'm in no position to be critical of the sounds that a podcast has. That's okay. Makes. It That's bugs you. You're no just position. saying it bugs you. You wish him well. This yeah, is, no, I listen to things. I, I listen, listen to listen other podcasts, and I time. think that you know, you're human. You you know when you when you consume product, you have opinions about it, and mm-hmm. and I mean people have plenty of opinions about what I do, and I definitely have tried to just, and also too, it's it gets to be like a muscle now. I can, I can you know like I I can interview somebody for an hour. Yeah, you know I can, and I, I whereas I you know early on. I would often not be able to hear what they were saying because I was thinking about what I would say next. Yeah. And that just kind of after a while goes away. Mm-hmm. And and I do, again, I don't think too much about it as a product. I think about it as a conversation. And I think of, I, I try to amuse myself. I try to stay interested in the conversation because I just think that that vicariously, I mean, that's been my mode for, you know, it's, I, I started to understand that on the Conan show. If I, within this hour, pursue my own happiness, that will that will be beneficial to the audience because I it will I will be giving them the best show that I can give because I'll be trying to have my own fun, you know, and then they'll see that and that'll be fun. You know, that's the core of like when I feel like I've had a good improv show is like. I'm listening. I've let go of me writing. Yeah. And I pursue the things that I find interesting. If you say something that's interesting, I go right for it. Yeah. And so I, yeah. Go ahead. You had a question. This is the question I have. And so I noticed that I took a sip. Uh, You'll, people that have been on the show or maybe watch it or whatever, I've noticed I usually have a, like a Nalgene bottle sitting mm-hmm. right there. And I know yours is uh, colored like the mystery machine on Scooby-Doo. It is. Mm-hmm. I didn't even think about yeah. that. Bleep, 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 bleep. Oh, so it's okay. It's you can, okay. Can you say mystery machine? 
Yeah, yeah we, we might let that one slide. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so I noticed that I was uh, taking a sip out of one, uh, like an old one that, uh, that got stolen out of my car. And I had like a moment where I was like, oh, I miss that guy. And, uh, and so I guess the question is, have you ever lost something physical that you genuinely miss? Or I guess we can open it up into maybe like, have you ever lost something that you genuinely, genuinely miss? I guess that's the question. I have one, and I am not a big possessions person. Like, I, I'm pretty easy come, easy go with stuff. And, you know, and, you know, it's a big difference, like, between my wife and I now. Like, my car, I, you know, I'll scrape a curb, and she'll be like, ooh, ah, oh, and I'm like, man, what the fuck? You know, who cares? It's a, you know, it's this car. You drive it around, and there's all kinds of stuff moving. You're going to get dings and stuff. Whereas, like, her car, she, the other day, she told me, when it comes off lease, I got to take it to the body shop, because the rear end is all jacked up. And I was like, looking at did, I was like, did you have a wreck? Or something that I don't know about because her car's in the garage. And she's like, no, no. And then we, later we were downstairs. I said, show me where your car's jacked up. Scratches. Three scratches. Oh. Like one nicklet and two scratches, maybe. <laughs> you know, I was just like, you are insane. Um, but I, I don't care that much about stuff. But I did receive a present from Conan O'Brien. I hope he doesn't listen to this because it's guaranteed he it, doesn't. It's okay. I got a text from him uh, earlier and he was like, Hey, I'm really <laughs> looking forward to this episode and I really hope. Well, I lost a gift from Julia, which I'll talk about oh, in a second. Yeah. So. Okay, good. Yeah. Because I, he gave me a watch. He gave ah, me a, mine's a watch, a vintage watch that was engraved on the back. And oh. it was, and it was, I, I like when I, before I had kids and I was dumb, I bought watches, like as as a lot of like men with too much money do. Uh, I do not anymore. Yeah. Um, and but so I had a few nice watches, and by few I mean like three or four nice watches, and then maybe like four or five like pretty good watches, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, some of them just for fun, just for kicks, <laughs> um, and. I would keep them in a little box, a little watchy box that I would put up in my closet. And like if we went away on vacation, uh, my ex-wife would hide it some, you know, like and with her jewelry, you know, like it, as, so if someone broke in, they would. And we had a, uh, a, a crazy person that worked for us for a couple of weeks. And uh, and then we had we let her go because she was crazy. And. And I think she knew we were gonna we were gonna fire her, and and it wasn't until a few months later that I went looking for my box of watches, and it was gone. The whole box. Yeah. The whole. Uh, box. And the only one you and cared about. It really, really sucks. It really sucks. Yeah. And uh, and it's like, uh, you know, again, it's just a thing, and I have to know. Like, I'm, I have a very nice warm and cozy life and it's not a big deal but yes that is the thing that i yeah. just am like that still kind of hurts i had a watch that julia gave all of us uh for the final season of veep which was engraved beautiful watch and i lost it and then i thought it was stolen because it was at the old theater and it was like sort of in disarray because we were moving out and i'm like gosh darn it somebody stole it and then morgan of course found it like a year or two later oh really so that one turned out well 
Oh, you do have it back? You yeah. got it back? Yeah. Weirdly, I, I was it. just oh, thinking good. about that a couple weeks ago, having nothing to do with this. I was like, oh, because I think I saw mine. Yeah. That I was like, oh, sorry. Like, yeah, no, I head. was I'm, bummed I'm, out. I'm glad yeah. it had a happy ending. And I did kind of keep it quiet because I didn't want her to find oh, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. I would never I <laughs> You would know, because it feels like that. I didn't, res- but of course right. I cherished it. Right. And then, well, and I can't say, and that's the problem with this is that like, it, like I said, it was a couple months went by, and and so I can't say for sure that I knew that this crazy person that we had let in our house took it. But I'm yeah, I, the whole box makes it fishy. Yeah, I would agree yeah. with you. If, if one of them was missing, like maybe you misplaced because it. it's not. It was like upstairs in my closet. Like there, it's not like yeah. there, there was a lot of UPS drivers waltzing through my closet. Yeah. Uh, it also had that sticker on it that said, don't steal. Like, yes. do not steal. Yes, yes. Those never work. Those steal never work. something else, please. Yeah. Please, yeah. yeah well, yeah. the other item that was stolen was at the old theater in New York on 22nd Street. I had a poster that I'd had for many years. It was a Fonzie, and it was in the back bathroom at the theater. And it was there for like two or three years, and then somebody like took it. And that it's the stealing that hurts. Yeah. Like, yeah. And also back then, like, I didn't think you could mass produce a poster like that. It felt rare. But, of course, I could probably find one online right, now. Sure. But this yeah, was yeah. 2000, let's yeah. say. So it felt rare. I, but I did get bummed out because, like, you fucking stole it? Like, you fucking asshole. Like, obviously, it's cool and everyone benefits from it. And it adds a little flavor. But it was also something I think I might have had since high school for some reason. Yeah. And that's what hurts is it was the steal of it. Yeah. The misplacement is more shaming, self-shaming. Yeah, yeah. But the anger around someone stealing something that was sort of right. everyone benefited from, like stealing from a gallery, essentially. And it's, also, it's like, this is a cool place. Yeah. Well, aren't we all supposed to be cool yeah. here yeah. and be cool with yeah. each Who's other? Yeah, who's the fucking dickhead? Yeah. We're not. Yeah. That's supposed to be a place where you don't. Right. With that. There right. is a thing that so I have a friend whose name is Connie and he's an artist and he does like a lot of like collaborations with people. Mm-hmm. So he had a thing that he would do where he would like paint a canvas, like sketch on it, paint it, sand it all off, put it in the mail and send it to somebody else. And then they would paint on it and send it back to him. And then he would sand that all down and paint on it. And sand draw it down. It. Does that remove the it pigment? It would like kind of remove what was there. Uh-huh. Okay. And but it would leave a, a, a faint a faint trace something. of it. I see. And even if it just kind of looked like back to white or whatever, yeah. the point was that by the time you ended up getting to the finished whatever it became after you sent it back and forth all those times... The point of it was the travel. Like, the point of it was how many times they had sent it back. It wasn't what was actually put on. It was, like, what it had gone through to become what it was. And so, in a way, like, the Fonzie poster is, like, yeah, you could replace it. But, like, the point of that Fonzie poster was the fact that it used to hang on the wall in your high school bedroom and now hangs on. And then my college room for a while. It made, like, the... And it made the drive out to New York. It made the drive out to New York. Like, those... Like the, like that is in a way important. You're not going to die because you don't have it, but no. like the, the fact that it traveled with you yeah. is a cool thing. Well, Tim, admittedly, admittedly. is nostalgic through objects. He, he yeah. expresses memories or puts value on emo- puts like emotional, emotional value. value. Yeah. And he is a collector. He's very good at like through the years on our TV show together. He has everything that like was gifted at the end of the season or a program that was printed or. Oh, and wow. you also give nice gifts in that way. He's made like a 
you know, an artisanally made VHS thing that had things on it. And so anyways, I'm just giving. There's like, thank you. Like I've, I've now managed to like convince myself to really like at the end of a production, just take like one thing. Yeah. Like whatever, just like some sort of like character totem that reminds Mm -hmm. me, because if I don't limit like an Alexa camera, like an Alexa camera, (laughs) uh, like, like a really big fan, lens, like like a box of lenses, like a box of lenses. Yeah. uh, Panavision Panavision. camera. Oh, you guys are familiar. I'm nostalgic for a good, yeah. Like for a hundred thousand dollar (laughs) Panavision camera with the latest chip. (laughs) So I think that's a very standard thing though. That people do like swipe something from the set when, the show is over. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I like I I do like doing that. I've got like a little box of them or whatever. But like, do I need yeah. to have like multiple copies of the newspaper that had the review of the play that I was in in college? Like, is that necessary to have backups? You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so, what yeah. was your item? Oh. Did you have an item that you a heartbreak? Yeah, a heartbreaking item that's no longer in your life. A thing. I don't know. Like one time, my club, my golf clubs are stolen out of my car. And that was fine. Like insurance covered it and mm-hmm. I replaced them. But like what was a real bummer was that I had like a uh, like a Walmart collection from every course I'd ever been oh, to. Yeah, yeah. And like that's like I can't replace. What about like, your sweater? Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> that's a really good one. I had like a, a sweater from the show yeah. that I sort of like wore into all the, the ground. I wore it all the time. Yeah. And it got taken out of my car that same day. So that's a really good one. Like I still have the watch that Julia Mm-hmm. gave us i i get so nervous about it becoming nicked up or lost that mm-hmm. sometimes like whenever i have a nice thing i just put it down and i don't use it yeah which completely negates the idea of yes. having a nice i would wear it all the time but i think morgan's convinced me not to do that because i'll lose it yeah. but i i when we first got it i wore it all the time yeah yeah because i'm like you like it's a car let's just ding it up it's a yeah. watch just ding it up yeah, like, yeah. let's use it so is this a Midwestern thing? The like, because I can't ever imagine driving a nice car in the way that like I, one that I wouldn't want to like ultimately get scratched up because I live in. A yeah, city. But you grew up in Maine. I mean, there's salt and rock on the road. Like there's no oh, point yeah, in true. having a nice oh, car. No, but I mean, I guess I'm lumping myself in with the Midwestern. Oh, you're a part of it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah I'm not yeah. trying to separate myself. I'm oh. very much in that. Yeah. No, I think that I think there's people in the Midwest who are, you know, yeah about their car yeah i had one of the first lexus hybrid suvs and when it came time to give it back it was so fucking gross that i just was like this is this is like you know it's like picking up dog shit with gucci gloves it's like why would i why would i be why am i doing this are your kids the dog shit in this analogy or you know, I leave. I like to leave some things <laughs> mysterious. No, but you know I, what I, I mean. It's just like it's like why am I? Why am I? I mean, that's not the. That's just what came to mind. But it is like kind of like why am I wearing Gucci loafers in the garden? Yes. Like yeah. you know, it's just it's. it's I'm gonna for get, what I'm using. I'm this gonna for. get muddy. It's yeah. gonna get dirty. And I mean, in this car, like I had to dismantle. The uh, rear armrest, the big armrest that had two cup holders in it, because mm-hmm. there was milk in it Oof. that had that like in California heat. It the whole car smelled like you know like yogurt vomit, and I had to dismantle it, it like and 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 clean it so I could return the car at the end of the lease just to not be penalized for you know having a yogurt smell. Uh, earlier this week, yeah. uh, my car uh, broke down 
Um, it was a, it's a Ford motor company. I'm sure you guys are familiar. They're one of the sponsors. You can't say Ford. They were up, they're on strike. No, no they, they, I know. they said yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Ford's um, fine. But uh, not John Ford, the director. <laughs> Beep. <laughs> Beep. So uh, they are a sponsor of the show because um, we are like we're huge. Like apparently like one of the reasons that strike was solved is that we started doing like little hits. <laughs> little sort for, of like yeah, little yeah. rolls for Ford. Little, yeah, a little tip of the hat. A little tip of the hat. Yeah, yeah. Through the roof. They were like, oh, it's undeniable. <laughs> <laughs> so it breaks down and I'm like, oh, my neighbor like has like an old truck. Uh, and like, oh, I'm kind of fucked. I don't have a car. I, uh, and I called up my neighbor and I was like, hey man, like I think my car is going to be in the shop for like three days. Do you mind if I borrow the truck? He was like, yeah, absolutely. Go for it. And then he texted me and was like, oh, by the way, like the, it's, it's like, you know, like a, vi- it is like technically a vintage car. Cause it's like more than 24 sure. years old, but, um, you know, it's not like he's like out there. It's not like a vintage Ferrari or something like that. It's yeah. like a, like a land cruiser, like a Toyota land cruiser. Yeah. But he's like, you know, it's like the original interior. But those are just, very collectible. They oh, are land yeah. cruisers. People will stop. You. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And so this is the thing is like all of a sudden he was like, oh, yeah, it's like vintage interior. So like maybe you don't have the dog in there and like maybe have the kids don't eat in there. And I was like, all right, cool. Oh. And I just went and rented like a car. I just was like, yeah, you don't want that. I yeah. don't want to fuck it up. And also like because kids are. Because they're dog shit. Yeah. Uh, they, I was like, it's just going to happen. No matter what I do, it's going to happen. And of course, I don't know how it happened, but somehow one of my kids like got into the rental car with an uncovered cup of Kool-Aid that they got from school. And it was like the messier of our two children. And of course, it's just fucking going yeah, everywhere. Yeah. And like, that's all. It's just red dye number four. Yeah. And sugar. Like, that's it. And it would have completely fucked up his car. Yeah. And I'm glad that, yeah. that it was just like, was just, all right, I'm just going to go. Yeah, this yeah it car. complicates it, too, because they might not, they might hold a grudge silently yeah. if you did something. It just, com- yeah, yeah, you made yeah. the right call. Thank um, you. I had a sort of got? a question from, um, did you have any questions coming in or you're just rolling? No, I'm just rolling yeah, with you're whatever. Good. I you're mean, I listened to the watching of the watching, you know, mm-hmm. or the watch of the, no. The rewatch the of re-watch. the rewatch. Yeah, 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 yeah. What we're doing. Okay. Yeah. So, it's weird that that just, it, that it didn't come straight to mind only because it's so much in the zeitgeist right now because people, it just like, it's rewatches like, of rewatches, rewatches of rewatches because we have like, we kind of lit the fire. You know what I yes. mean? Like Bane yeah. at, in the yeah. Dark Knight Rises, like, you know, like bleep, the, bleep. Fire, the, the fire, the fire, Rises, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, right, the bleep bleep. <laughs> right, like, we lit that fire. Yeah. So it's just, I don't know. It's funny that uh, maybe you've been like busy with, you know, you know, you've been like busy with, you know, new family and stuff. Like oh, that. yeah, yeah. I'm very busy. I'm very yeah. out of touch. Yeah, so am I. Yeah. So unless uh, one of my assistants tells me about something, I don't find right. out about. Well, it. I find having more than three assistants does a disservice to you, Andy, because then you have three streams. You yeah. should really only just have one assistant, yes. if, if I can make I that suggestion. Ultimately, your assistant should have two assistants mm-hmm. so that all... That I all never the have to com- see. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So oftentimes on our rewatch show, we talk about the chaotic nature of production. And certainly yes. our show had its idiosyncrasies with communication, et cetera. And without naming names, is there a story or a project that you were into that has perhaps a humorous or a nightmarish sort of chaotic tale or that reflects like this was a really disorganized production well i can give you a sample or you can go first no i can definitely go but i mean but i can i mean it's it was um there was a, a a series of movies 
that were spoofs of movies that are scary. <laughs> <laughs> and Copy I was that. I was in okay. I was I was in the second one of those. Okay. Got it. And the first one had been a big gigantic surprise hit. Mm-hmm. And so I was, was there a creep behind this whole production somehow making money who later went to jail? <laughs> uh, I only talked to his brother. <laughs> his brother. His brother, because at the same time I was making a movie, I was making a movie that Ashton Kutcher and Tara Reid were the stars of, uh-huh. and Ashton didn't want to promote it because uh, it wasn't very good. And they actually got me on the phone with the brother of the of yeah. the sex crime guy. And uh, he's like, yeah, I need you to, I need you to get out there. I need you to sell this thing. I mean, I will, believe me, I will remember and I will make it up to you. <laughs> Since then, nothing, yeah, no. nothing. Of course. Um, but yeah, so I'm in this sequel uh-huh. and they, it was the most compacted schedule I've ever, we were shooting in, I think, like the second week of June, and it had a July Fourth release. Like, wow. and they were, and then they were doing That's reshoots hectic. after that. And I would go in. I was in in the first part of it. I would uh, th- the first part of the movie is a parody of a movie, uh, a William Friedkin movie mm-hmm. about a young girl the named. Devil? Uh, yeah, and there's mm-hmm. there is a. a A priest comes to perform an exorcism, Mm -hmm. um, and there's two priests. There's an older priest and a younger priest that perform an exorcism on this girl in her Georgetown home. And uh, Hold on a second. I'm getting a text from Fran Drescher. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, she is is upset (laughs) with you. This goes out live. This is is, being broadcast to the picket line. The, you know, and and uh, I play the younger of the priests, and actually Marlon Brando had been cast wow. as the older priest. Wow! Um, and he actually, I worked for half a day with Marlon Brando. Oh my God! No, yeah. she yeah. showed yeah, up yeah. for that. Wow! He showed up because, and this I found out later was something that he did was. Because and I mean and if you read anything about Marlon Brando, the legal bills that piled up for him because of his children mm-hmm. was just astonishing. Mm-hmm. So he would go, he would like get a job in a movie with a cla- with a clause that's like okay I'm going to do this movie for X million dollars mm-hmm. and uh, but I, if I show up for one day I get half of that. You know, so he would take jobs in movies, show up for one day, and he was not well. They, you know, they said he had pneumonia, and he he did have like in between shots there was an oxygen mask, mm. and he was really large, you know, and just had trouble getting around. But I did work with him for for f- about four or five hours. And That's pretty cool. Yeah, and he and it was very notable. It was uh, there were so many things that I noticed about it. Like he came in and he introduced himself. To every person in the room, crew member, and then me and Natasha Leone was the other actor in it, and uh, he did not introduce himself to us at all. Really, at all? Mm. Which I didn't know. Like, is that like, what's your statement there that you're an everyman, but you di- have disdain for you know the art of acting yeah. or fancy pants actors? They don't need to be mm-hmm. treated like another coworker or something. And he had an earpiece. 
He he yeah. did not know any of his lines, and he there was a he had a, an assistant who was his who would read his lines, and she it was some sort of like you know earwig that he would wear, and like and you know in a downtime he and I are are running our lines, and he would be like. You know, he'd be like, name of the father, name of the son, you know, I beseech you. Abra, I can't hear you. Her name was Abra. And he'd be like, so, uh, I, devil, get out of Abra. What? I can't hear you, Abra. <laughs> that was, as we're just, it's just the two of us sitting there doing these lines. That's and it was, wild. And then he didn't show up. And then James Woods came in. Okay. And, and filled it filled in for him. Wait, so part. he would show up for the one day, take half the money, and be like, "Yeah, I'm not showing yeah, up for I'm that second si- day. I'm too sick to." to but shoot then would, the rest would of the James movie. Woods come in and do? Redo? Did Marlon Brando ever appear in that movie? No, no. James Woods just replaced him. So they redid what he shot. Probably, yeah, we wow. just reshot Guys. whatever. This is a great idea. This is a good business model. <laughs> this is a good business model. Yeah, but you kind of got to be Marlon Brand. Yeah, very few people. See, can I, do it's, that. I don't think you. I think you're one and done if you're any of us. You <laughs> yeah. know, I don't think there's going to be second, third, fourth <laughs> yeah. people falling for that scam. This, this actually, I think, gives too much credit to somebody on high being smart. I think, yeah. that, like what we have maybe learned over the last few months is that maybe. Uh, we should not assign strategy to something that can be uh, explained by stupidity. Yes, yes, absolutely. So maybe that there is a part of it. So, I mean, like, I got to think this is going to work four or five times before somebody even notices. <laughs> and they'll just be like, nah, it won't happen again. It's very, yeah. Hey, it's very what is different. he, he's going to do that again? Yeah, nah, yeah. That'd be insane. Well, the trailer team got excited to like, oh, we could put him in the trailer. So, oh, yeah. was, so that's why oh, they did it. The, another thing. That I, and I'll get to the point where how it was disorganized. Uh, but another it's thing, sort of, I have a guess. Yeah, sort of, yeah, yeah. I have a guess of why Ano- it was another thing was is that because that well here I'll get back to how it was disorganized. That part of the movie, which is by far the funniest part of the movie, mm-hmm. I'm because the main thing is because it ends in a uh, three-way pea soup vomit fight. Solid. You know, because she, Solid. you know, Solid. there's projectile. Aaron laughed. There's, Aaron laughed. There's yeah. projectile right, vomiting yeah. in the original. Aaron, and our then, producer, laughs at penis, fart, and vomit. And vomit. So we're just keeping track. That was that was the last thing I shot that day. And then I got on a plane to go up to Canada to do this other movie. And I had to, like, I was under a time crunch to catch this flight. And because both movies are from the same company, like, they let it all happen that way. And I was two hours into the flight to Vancouver and scratched my ear. And it was completely caked with pea soup. Uh, uh, and I was sitting there. It was like on, out. on the side next to somebody. Yeah, because I'm not going to take a shower in a trailer. No. You know what I mean? Sure. And I'm sitting next to this guy. And I was just like, oh, my God. This guy's been looking at my ear this entire flight going like, what the fuck? You could have got a hot, wet towel from makeup. I know, but whatever. I know. But I'm not, I was, I'm honestly, not I rushed out of there. But this, is, this part of the movie is maybe six minutes. Mm-hmm. At one point, it was 47 pages. The scene? The scene on, in the script was 47 pages. And they would just throw just thing after thing and, you know, parody after parody. Like, there was a woman, you know, the flash frames in that movie mm-hmm. uh, that, that are like that, that sort of ghoul face? Yeah, jump scary. Every day, a young woman would sit through at least two hours of airbrush makeup to get the ghoul face. And then she'd stand outside and smoke cigarettes because she had ghoul hands and smoke cigarettes Every day I was there, 
I saw her just hanging out, never got used. Never got used. That's a sign of disorganization. Yes. I agree. And uh, and and so uh, uh, I forgot what I was the reason I was. Oh, I in the end, one of the bits that you know was in the script at one point was that at the climax, you know, uh, the the one of the priests goes out the window in mm-hmm. the in the original, and in this one, it, I you know. It was going to be me that goes out the window, but the what was the reason I was going to out, go out the window? And it was as it was written was uh, the older priests basically fucks the younger priest, like put you know like inserts his penis into his butt, and then uh-huh. you get a cut out a cut Thank away. Thank you for clarifying. Sure, sure, sure. I had a few questions, um, yeah. and then I had some, but then and then there's a, a shot of the younger priest's eyes turning into like devil, like like goat eyes. <laughs> so I actually had to go get fitted for goat contacts too. Oh, that's fun. and then flies out the window and like, but because he's been you know pushed out by the other priest's penis. Mm-hmm. So I in my contract and this is I don't know. This is another thing. I it's a tidying up because I lost it. I can't find it. There was a paragraph that was like. The performer only consents to scenes involving anal penetration if the acting partner in the scene is Marlon Brando. Like, it was written into my... Like, if I get fucked in the ass, it's going to be Marlon Brando. And that was in my contract. And I ha- I gotta find that I gotta I could get that from my lawyer, but uh, probably. But that's a good. Oh, it was, so, it was so great. But you gotta, um, you gotta cut that. Or you gotta frame that. You gotta put that. Oh, up in I your house. you know I don't know how I lost because I had it for a long time in a drawer and I don't know can, what happened to it. Can you do the voice of like Andy Richter go get, go get the butter? Andy Richter go get the butter. Can you do? <laughs> I, that was really bad. I need sizzles in the butter. Um, but and I found out later too. I mean, I've read about this that the people making the movie felt so disrespected and were so annoyed with the. And it was brothers and brothers mm-hmm. that oh. the brothers that made this movie felt so disrespected by the brothers that ran the studio that they on purpose made this movie a clusterfuck. That wow, they and you were caught in the middle of And that. we're all caught in the middle of it. There's a someone getting sprayed makeup on for two hours a day. There's someone, two people spraying that makeup on. Yeah. Just, it's so repellent to me. The notion of, if you take the job, do the job. Yeah. I, Chop I wood, carry water. Yeah. Chop wood, carry water. We talk a lot about how like maybe some of our days would go really long and that could definitely be frustrating. But there is always that part of me that thought that came from like spirit of collaboration. 100%. And yes, it could have been more organized, but it came from like we are trying to find the absolute best best, to make the best possible. Yes. There was no bad blood. There was no bad blood. But there were times where I missed important there were things I was like, oh, I would love to go see that recital or I would yeah. love to be there for that game or there's something that I would. Yeah, there are things that I missed because of that, but I don't hold ire. Yeah. But if somebody would tell me like, oh, yeah, all those days that you missed something. Yeah. Were because of some fucking petty bullshit yeah. that was done intentionally. Yes. That would be frustrating. That yes. would really like the ghoul upset. finger smoking lady who was there for three weeks and only got used for 20 minutes on one day. Yeah. yeah. If she found out why it was so disorganized. Yeah. Yeah. I did a disaster movie, which was a disaster uh, U.S. box office, but did really well in <laughs> South Korea and China. Did wow. it? It really did. Oh, yeah, Traveled yeah. well. 
And, what kind of disaster? Uh, a spinning thing that yeah, yeah. creates a lot of debris. A vortex? And, yeah, a vortex. Yeah, yeah. The Midwestern version. I understand. Or think of Oklahoma. Overland. Overland. Yeah, yeah. And um, A funnel cloud. A funnel. Pre-funnel. <laughs> actually, post-funnel. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, what happens post-funnel. I got gotcha. you. And... Um, it movie came, should have been called What Happens Post-Funnel. That's a great title for that. It tells you exactly what it is. <laughs> and it came from top down this one. I don't know what the studio's thing, but the person running it, the director, basically, was very disorganized. And there was also weird tension with the departments because of the disorganization. Was not a great communicator. And there was some serious rivalry. And like I saw a couple like people get in the director's face and it was like something i hadn't witnessed before like you can't treat people like that or you you don't know what you're doing kind of conversations but one thing that that perfectly shows exactly how disorganized we were there one day and it's a site of a disaster and they had strewn vehicles and upside down cars and a half a building you get it and then he was like okay so we'll turn on the rain towers and then i want you to i because i became very on those projects too you become really good friends with some department head to get oh, information absolutely. and to commiserate. Yeah. yeah. So the AD was aces and the second AD aces. And we would always yep. have a beer afterwards. So I got all the skinny, like what's going on? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was crazy some days. So the he's like, okay, so what we'll do is we'll get the rain towers going. And I want all those uh, high school extras. we got 125. I want them to run through and then we'll hit the wind thing and we'll get this shot and we'll do the explosion. And the, the AD goes, um, we had them yesterday. We don't have them today. We don't have any extras today. <laughs> and he didn't know that. And he's like, his whole day was this thing. Wow. And he's like, yesterday was the day we should have done that. Today is the day we don't have 125 kids oh. dressed as high schoolers. And I'm laughing because it's funny. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's sort of like top down. That's why there was tension and miscommunication because someone was keeping that story in their head. Like, oh, I know and I'll do it. I'll do it today. And he walks in and he's like, okay, bring him on. Yeah. Like, Yesterday we could have done this. Today it was impossible. Yeah. So I guess we'll have to figure something else wow. out. Wow. Jesus Christ. Yeah. What a fucking nightmare business. It's just, yeah. And he was a nice enough. It's, it's pretty fun. It yeah. is pretty you fun. Know, yeah. Yeah. It is pretty fun. I mean, it's, yeah. It's, I wouldn't want to do anything else. No. Really. And yeah. I'm laughing because like I had a great experience and it was fun. And yeah. Everyone was relatively nice. I was never abused. I was fortunate. Like it was, it was all fine. But that was an illustration of like considering all the money that goes into something and like people waiting to do their job and 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 also the tempers I saw explode as a result of this disorganization or lack of communication really is what mm-hmm. the problem was. That's what's like. Wow, that's just crazy. Just because you would think in a high stakes moment, like okay, we we got a hundred million for this thing. Let's manage it well so yeah. we can get all the post effects right and let's get it all right. Yeah. Here's something that I thought of when we were watching it. And I, if this gets too in the weeds and you don't like this question, I'm fine pivoting away from it because we've spent our we spent our lives figuring this out. Mm-hmm. We've so far we've heard a lo- uh, it's been a long time just getting to the question. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for pointing that out, Andy. There's always a preamble. Just, yeah, Jesus, which, just say it. If I had the energy, Tim does all the editing, but if I had the energy, oh, so just it'd say be it much and then, quicker. And then it, it'll I become do. self-evident whether it should be cut. <laughs> I do. It's kind of like when people say, can I ask a question? You could lose yeah, yeah. that sentence. Exactly, exactly. Or when I've got a three and a half year old behind the car who goes, daddy? And I say, yes. 
And then she says something, and then two seconds later, Daddy? And, I, you know, after, like, the sixth Daddy, I'm like, you know, you could just say what you could just ask me the question. We don't have to go through this rigmarole of Dad, this call and response. I, Do I still have your attention? Yes, you have my attention. Yeah, yeah. There's nobody else in this car. There is a thing. I'm, I am fine with the idea when people are like, we don't need to send an email that says thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm yeah. fine with that. I love yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's like we can all just assume that everybody was thanked. Right, right. We can all just assume yeah. that. We're yeah. good people. Yeah. yeah. I, there's something about seeing behind the curtain. Uh, I was thinking about this. Uh, last night um, because I made a joke on like the family text thread mm-hmm. and it was just like the simple like the flip from like the thing that you were supposed to care about you flip and you're like oh well it's this thing that is the opposite of what I'm supposed to care about I'm bringing that up and once you figure out like the math of comedy does it does it still bring you guys the same joy moment to moment once you see in a way once you see behind the curtain like does some of the magic leave or are you able to keep finding it no definitely there is there is still magic but there also too is cutting wood and hauling water comedically and there is there are gimmicks that you learn and there are especially working on the conan show you know like like one of the one of my you know i was a producer on that show and one of the jobs that we'd have you know he and i were the last step of the of the quality control process and so i actually to toot my own horn as we say in the midwest i got pretty good at fixing things Mm -hmm. and and so you know i i would be able to go that that needs a new ending or oh this cut that joke or whatever and there was a lot of times where it would be there would be things like it needs an ending well how about this Eh, how about this nah how about this? Well, that would take too long. Well, how about this? Yeah, that'll work. And that's, you know, that's that's because you get paid. That's because it's a job. Because yeah. it's a job. And you know the difference between something that, yeah, that's an ending, but that's a shitty ending. That's an ending I don't feel good about. This ending, I don't feel great about, but I think that's quality entertainment. You know, and then... And then the next day you'll come to work and somebody will have made a bit that blows your fucking mind that you just are, you know, I literal tears of laughter from just some silly, goofy. And and those are usually the things, too, that like the audience is kind of like, what? You know? (laughs) Yeah. But uh, so, yeah, there's still a lot of magic, but there's also craftsmanship yeah there's also you know commerce you got to get it out the door and mm-hmm. just you know it's there's a standard but sometimes the standard you know you, every great cook isn't always thrilled by their own cooking you know it's like yeah it tastes good send it out you know that's it yeah i, I would say it made me think of like when i first discovered sort of like doing bits or like understanding the math of comedy it was really exciting and then I think the more you do it or the more you hang with people who are really good, I think you know the difference between people who are first discovering yes. how to do bits. And you do go along with it. And I do respect the joy of that because I went through that. But I do want to spend time around people who are more surprising and innovative yes. with doing bits yes. than those who are just discovering. And a better person would be celebrating their joy because it is yeah. magical when you understand like holy shit we can sustain a stupid bit and we're both making each other it, it's beautiful and it's important because 
I remember dumb bits from 30 years ago, and some of them live on text chains. And like in all the news items that have passed through my life, I remember stupid bits better. So there's real power in like good comedy. Yeah. But I remember, yeah. I remember when we used to do the real life Brady Bunch in Los Angeles, and you were you had some shitty little bit part, yeah. that you that you would come in. Uh, I think and, I was a neighbor. I, I, would say <laughs> I, that, but I wasn't Mike Brady, but, although I did understudy Mike when you were yeah, out of yeah. town. No, but I mean, but you, or the you boyfriend. Know, you, yeah, you played, sure, sure. You played lots of different roles in that utility, show, and some are just like the guy that you know whatever. And he was doing this bit where every night before the show, he would do a different tattoo. On his arm, but they were things like a wheelbarrow <laughs> or, or a plate of eggs. And the bit the that dumbest. he would do was always like, where I'd be like, you know, I'd be, I'd be in the bit and I'd be like, why did you get a wheelbarrow? He goes like, it was cheap. <laughs> Like just to notice the notice the idea that, that like that, like you go get a tattoo that's a bargain, you know. Like I really wanted a dragon, but this plate of eggs was only four. I was gonna put my dead brother's name on my arm, but yeah, a wheelbarrow yeah. was cheaper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he liked a wheelbarrowing. Wheelbarrow, yeah. What's that? It's a wheelbarrow. Yeah. Oh, you, do you care about wheelbarrows? Oh no no no. But yeah. It was, it was only seventeen dollars. <laughs> Yeah, dumb bits are great. Yeah. So yeah, that's my take on your question. Have ultimately, you, this is a now going to be a more specific one. And I again, this is all unnecessary. This preamble. <laughs> God damn it! Welcome, he started. Welcome to self consciousness corner. You our have. last, our last guest pointed out the riff that it's the show functions better when we have di- like kind of like you were talking about your Andy Daly show. Yeah, yeah. So sometimes I take a position to criticize you for entertainment. Right, of course. I love you. You're a wonderful it's person. It's called ball busting on the yes. East Coast. Thank okay. you. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, it feels bad on the West Coast. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> so uh, you have mentioned before that you haven't seen. It is. Uh, uh, it's like maybe if you are in one space. And you were going to go out of that space. And because you said something bad, a person might say, I think that you should remove yourself from this space and go into this other one. And it's a sketch show. That's. A- oh, yeah. Got yeah. it. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> Got it. Right, so right, you right. haven't really you haven't really seen all of it. Right? I haven't seen all of them. No. OK. No, no. Is there a reason that you haven't? Uh, like, and I think my, I guess the reason I'm cutting you off to say is like, I'm wondering if it is because you have such a long history of sketch comedy and sometimes you're like, I don't care how good it is. I just don't want to watch it anymore. That guy is exceptional who does that show. Yes. hundred percent entertaining. Whenever I watch it, I enjoy it. You can say his name, right? Can't you? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, Tim Robinson. Yeah. 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 But- I also am not a huge fan of watching comedy sometimes, or many oh, times. Like I'm I love one hundred. I love documentaries. I love things that are education. I like boring. T- you know, I'll, I'll watch a little reality. I'll watch a PBS. You know, uh, that's my flavor. So yeah, I do get tired of watching comedy, and that's probably why I'm not a great improv. Like I was teaching for many years ago, but you do tire of like. Because you have a responsibility to see how special it is to those people going through what you went through 30 years ago, let's say. And after seeing and and having your senses dulled and knowing it quickly, like, that's not going to work, this is going to work. You really need to sum up that energy to chop wood and carry water sometimes. And similarly, in my viewing, I know how they're getting a laugh. Right now, we're going to cut away to a testimonial that denies everything they said to their family. Yeah, That's, That's like seeing the math. So sometimes it's just like... 
I don't know. It's not enjoyable. I, I have said it's like a plumber after a long day plumbing goes home and watches HGTV. Uh-huh. Like, no, I yeah. don't want to see that, you yeah. know? And, and like for me, I have not watched a late night talk show in forever. Maybe 15 years. But I mean, there's also know? that thing of like, that. I can only imagine that that was so stressful on a day-to-day basis that there is it probably no comfortable it, way to watch it. it this is a end, guess. It didn't den- end up being that way. And well, and I mean, this is this isn't the arrogant part of it, is that I was on the funniest late night television show that's ever been on television. Mm-hmm. I just I I sure. would I would say that without I would say that to anybody at any time. I was on the funniest late night show that was ever been on television. So a lot of times it's like, ugh, you know, it's just like, oh, you went with that. Like you didn't like that's what you came up with about, you know, the situation in wherever. And so a lot of it is just snobbery. Yeah. Um, a, a lot of it, too, is uh, uh, contact stress. You know, feeling like when a bit is sweaty and it's not working, especially if like I like the people, I like the you know, I and it, that's the other thing too is the personal connections yeah. with people in different things can be tricky. You know, it's like I can watch something and I love the people and the and it's not going well and it just that's not a pleasant thing. So yeah, it's I, I'm the same way. I don't watch a lot of comedy. Have you? But you, however, Tim Robinson is a freaking genius. He's, unbe- he's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yes. I uh, have you ever? Um, there's a show um, that's about <laughs> drag racing. Yeah, but that isn't. But it isn't cars. Got it. Oh yes. Yeah. I, yeah. I've okay. seen some of that. The, I watch it pretty. I watch it pretty regularly. Yeah. And they always do a stand-up comedy thing because yes. a lot of the people that are on that are immensely talented comedians. Absolutely. But so they kind of put everybody. It's out always of kind it. of a shock when the, when one of the people on the show isn't funny. Yes, and that's it's like, usually like the pageant queens and the pageant yeah, queens are yeah. always like they're just like I'm here to like wear dresses and look beautiful yeah, and elegant. Yeah. Like I'm not here to be funny. Right. Yeah. So they kind of put people outside of their comfort zone and whenever they do the stand-up comedy one they will play up how much somebody is bombing and i have to like take i have to like cover my eyes like it's a horror yeah. movie. i can't like i can't and i do like the thing where you like shake your hands over right, your right. ears and close your eyes i can't engage in it just because i know like how much that fucking hurts not yes. in the stand-up yeah. comedy world yes, but, like yes. i just know even if they're playing it up, I just don't want to engage with it. Well, similarly, like a friar's roast, like you've been invited to those things. I've been invited to those things. And it's supposedly in good sport or it's exaggerated for comedic effect for a charity. But it's usually yeah. we're raising money for yeah. to get wheelchairs for those children or whatever. Mm-hmm. But no, sir. Like, I think I had to do one when I was on a show and all the cast sat on the dais and I sat as far away from the center and I think they threw a general insult to like the crew from that show, but that is the last place I want to be. I don't want to be delivering those like hard, yeah. hard insults. Yeah, life's too short. Well, to, it's just to hard to that. separate. And, and also, the thing too is that it's a formula. It's well, a that formula. Too, yeah. You know, it's just it's like once you once you sort of like listen to enough of those jokes, you're like, oh, I see. 
uh, this person uh, has a, a, an angular face, so we're going to do, you know, horse face jokes. Someone was in rehab. Oh, Dated a porn star. Yeah, it's just like reverses of the status quo, you know, mm-hmm. or like misdirections. You know, it's just like the one time, and I've even like played this for my parents, the when Nikki Glazer went after Ann Coulter, mm-hmm. those are the ones that that I yeah. really like. When you are actually yeah. yes. going after somebody yes. that deserves, deserves somebody it, bad, that was right. that was like. And my sister, who is is a person who is definitely not into those kind of jokes on a like a direct human yes. human level, like likes them when it's fake people doing it, but yeah. doesn't yeah. like right. that kind of thing. I showed her the Ann Coulter one, and she was like absolutely delighted by it like yeah. they're like it's one of the best jokes i've ever but heard but if you and have also, sympathy for the target like yes, you do yeah. watching the drag thing yeah and you feel bad for the person who's on the receiving end you have sympathy for that person but if it's someone you think is a demon or you yeah. completely dislike you can watch it and there is craftsmanship to that style yes. of jokes yes it's yes. a formula some people are but fantastic if, but if people innovate at it. yes innovate yeah. or the way they phrase it you can appreciate and that. And honestly, I ended up having sympathy for Ann Coulter during that because, I mean, she's a, she's a, a repellent person who's done lots of repellent things, but there also was a human being there who was completely unprepared that, you know, that they were going to go into a pickle factory and then be dipped in brine. Uh-huh. Like, they didn't, you know, like, yeah. oh, I didn't expect this. Like, what do you mean you didn't expect this? And you could see, like, like genuine hurt on her face. Yeah. And I, I feel like just in the same way that you feel like for any human being who's experiencing pain, I felt like, oh, that, you know, I, 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 I got over it. But I you understand know. your stance there, although I don't I don't know that I agree. And I won't say that umbrella opinion that I just stated of like I was OK watching that, even though it was a human being on the receiving end. I don't that isn't like an umbrella statement that I will make sort of about like everybody deserves it if they're in there or whatever. You yeah. know what I mean? I do think there are people that like, no, you deserve that. You just, yeah, des- you yeah. deserve to be made to feel bad and it, okay. Yeah. You're a human being, but you do legitimately bad things for the world. Yes. Yeah. There are some people yes. that like absolutely. Deserve yes. Yes. That. And you, and you, you know, you hurt people and you don't care. Yes. And you don't yeah, care. Yeah. As yeah. long as it, as long as you end up being, as long as attention and money come yeah. your way by hurting yeah, yeah. people, you're fine with it. Yeah. yeah, and similarly, like the formula of Sasha Baron Cohen works really well if he's attacking the monsters and not picking on nice yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, you know, like like that was yeah. That was always a problem I had with Michael Moore, like yeah, really yelling at a security guard. Yeah, you know, like the guy like, who's just trying to like yeah, he's like paying yeah, his rent. I, yeah, I mean, is yeah, that guy the enemy? Yeah, you can't you can't go up to the CEO's office. Well, I you, did. you know, you're silencing. I'm like, I'm, man, I'm just a <laughs> Yeah. I feel like we're kind of bumping up against the end of our time. Walsh, do you have anything else that you want to throw out? Uh, Andy, while I'm looking, do you have anything that you thought of that you wanted to bring up before we send you on your way or we all dispart? No, I, I'm, uh, I, I, I appreciate you having me here and this is a lovely conversation. I really, yeah. and that's, you know, and that's not just Midwestern. I had a quickie. That's true. Yeah. Oh, Since good. we're all from Chicago. Favorite small venue in Chicago or favorite show you saw when you were there? Go ahead. Go I saw M. Dowdy at the Double Door, uh, like right when he was like, like right before he like really crested into like his solo career. Mm-hmm. And I was like a big, uh, a big soul coughing fan all the way through college. And I got to see him at the Double Door, and that was incredible. Uh, 
And like, I think I was also like in a new relationship at the time. So there was like a lot and I had like just kind of moved there. I was like yeah. there less than a year. So it was like, I don't know. I fucking love that. I saw minus the bear over at the empty bottle. Um, yes, that was. I great. saw Veruca Salt at oh, the empty did? bottle, and I think I saw Buddy Guy one night at Metro, which isn't a small venue, but yeah. those are Met- like memorable shows. Yeah, and then anything at the Wild Hair, I would because I live right by. Remember that reggae club? Yeah. For some reason, reggae always works for me. I could see any band that's decent at reggae and have yeah, the yeah. best evening. Yeah. Who about I you, Andy? I can't really think of anything, but I, I'm terrible at these kind of. Questions. Okay. Sorry. I I I'm I have erased large large parts of my past just for emotional wellness. I um, it, it is you know. it is a strange thing like to now be at the age where like I never really knew CBGBs. Oh, I only knew yeah. it from pictures. I think mm-hmm. I was in, I saw the awning once, and by the time I ne- by I, the time I, I went back, I was in there maybe twice. Yeah. at the very end of its its life. But it's weird now to think that all of these sort of seminal rock clubs in Chicago, like Double Door, is now like a Yeti showroom. Like the oh like really? the yeah you know like the whatever the coolers the, the coolers. It's like really? a showroom for Yeti now. Wow. Like the, I think like Empty Bottles closed. The place that was underneath the Belmont, yeah, uh, yep. Belmont stop. That's play. That place is yeah. gone. Like, it's a bummer. I think Marie's man. Riptide is gone too. Do you remember that late night bar? Yeah, yeah right yeah. on uh, Cortland. I saw one time uh, Chrissy Hind and Nash Cato from Urge Overkill making out because they <laughs> dated for five seconds, and that was kind of weird. At that bar, see. yeah, in the that's back a room great, of that That's bar. exactly what I want. Yeah, I want yeah. that Chicago flavor yeah, yeah. of like, that give was... me the venue and the, and the the act. Yeah, that's a perfect answer. Saw so I uh, saw Mick Napier without a shirt on walking out in front of the Green Mill one uh, night. You, you know what I mean? Like, that any time. Like, no that's not, that's, that's in like. So Banana yellow biking shorts. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and they're yeah. All uh, right, Andy. Uh, it's been a pleasure to have you thank here. Thank you, Tim. If Did you weren't in the comedy game, what would your job be? If you weren't in the entertainment world, is there a career or something that you would find curious or you might be good at? Well, r- realistically, I probably would have ended up in advertising. Okay, I would think from being in Chicago and working in film production, and most of that film production was in. In advertising, I think I probably at some point I'd I'd or I'd be working in film production okay. uh, in Chicago. But other than that, I uh, I I've always thought like I would have liked to work with animals. Um, and I also think at this point, like I would I wouldn't have mind I I would have mind, wouldn't have minded being a therapist. Yeah, that's yeah. mine. Yeah. Yeah, there's something attractive well, about you, it. And you used to work with kids. I did, and yeah, I was yeah. a psych major. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but. Uh, I don't know how good I'd be, but I I would yeah. enjoy it. You can do it. You can go back to school. I, I you know we'll I, it has crossed my mind. It's never times. too late for a I, second I, chance. Yeah, I you know just uh, uh, I I it <laughs> I when I still I still got bills to pay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> got to pay off that no, wedding venue. There's no, no grade school. I don't know. I've seen no I've seen how much my therapist charges. It's fucking expensive. Yeah. 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 Um, What's your question for Andy? Tim? How many members of Congress do you think that you could beat up? That's both House and Senate. <laughs> Percentage or raw numbers? I, I love this. He does. Pers- this is oh. the warmest reception for yes. the question. Uh, I think percentage-wise, I bet you. I mean, I bet you like ninety. Wow, that is oh the highest. You know, well, you are a like big 90. person. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you know? could. I yeah. mean, oh, like, I love no, that. but it, like to put up a really good fight. Yeah, I, I would say ninety. You know, I'm not saying I'd win 
you to, feel like, say, you're, you like your say, chances. Without a problem, 60 or 70%. Oh, God, I love you know, this. Yeah. You know. That's By far the, the highest answer. A lot, first of all, like we're talking a lot of a lot of like old ladies. Yes. Yeah. Hundred percent. And he goes, it would be great too if you had to. Like, it's like you know, there's no conceptual thing. You got to do it. You got to go beat up Maxine Waters. You got to. I don't know how to tell you, man. You got to fuck. You got to dog fuck Nancy Pelosi into the ground right now. If you want a military all base right. in your district, you got to fight Richter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, thank you guys so much for being with us. Uh, the We Are Second in Command. You can find us wherever you get podcasts. You can also find us on a website called youtube.com. Uh, you can rate, review, and subscribe at all of those places. That's it. That's Thanks that's again, Andy. Thank it. you, guys. Thank Peace. You. Cloud is the new currency. You're interrupting my stream. Are you getting any followers with this? One girl. What's your name? At June Forever. Your real life actual name. We'll have to find a way to clear her name. The police questioned me. You're the common denominator, June. And solve the crime. You watch too many movies. Esther Babitsky is Drugstore June. Also starring Bobby Lee, Haley Joel Osment, James Remar, Beverly D'Angelo, and Matt Walsh in theaters this month. Go to drugstorejune.com.